0: All right, well, uh, you got your Bibles, got your tablets, smartphones, we're tromping through Luke, we're in Luke chapter 14 today, I cannot wait, in fact, today we're going to do 24 verses, I think, how's the reading plan going for you, by the way, I'm always making a pitch for the reading plan, because I just love the reading plan. Uh, was it two days ago, the comments on the reading plan were outstanding. They just fed me like nobody's business. What's cool about that reading plan is you read that morning, but then you get to say a comment or two. You don't have to, but if you feel like the Lord gave you something, you just make a sentence or two comment. But uh, even if you don't comment, often you'll find six or seven people from Lifespring that will make some kind of insight or comment or maybe a question about the verses that you read, and it really is a way to do a Bible together. Don't you know, back in the day, we never were reading the Bible alone. In fact, uh, most people probably didn't even uh, have one in front of them. Uh, Can you imagine when these were first written? Uh, The letter would be written, the messenger would carry the letter to uh, that church, and guess what would happen? It would be read out loud, and everyone would listen uh, to the Word of God. And so I just encourage you, as much as you can, uh, get involved in things like a Bible reading plan, where you're doing it together with other people. Uh, You will not uh, be disappointed. It is so very powerful. So again, today, Luke chapter 14, verses 1 through
1: 24. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, real relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may, you in, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. I have just bought a field and I I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet.
0: Thank you, Mary. The word of God. All right, go ahead and put up the first six verses there for me, Dave. So it looks like Jesus, he's... Being invited to the Pharisee's house, and it is on the Sabbath. Now, who knows, but it kind of feels like uh, maybe a setup to me, right? Because there's a man in the house. The man is swelling, right? So he has an edema of some sort, and everybody's watching to see what Jesus is going to do, right? Because, again, it is what day? It is the Sabbath. Can't do work on the Sabbath. Even a healing work. So just like we covered a couple of weeks ago when Jesus healed that woman on the Sabbath, they're wondering once again, what is Jesus going to do? And yet, Jesus sees this man who's suffering, and he knows what the Pharisees and the experts of the law are up to, and so he simply asks the question, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? The Bible says they remain silent, and so... He takes hold of the man. I want you to think of this visually with your mind's eye. He takes hold of the man. He heals the man, and he sends him on his way. He says, man, if one of you had a child, if one of you had an animal, let's say an ox, and it fell in the well on the Sabbath, come on, wouldn't you immediately pull it out? And again, they had nothing to say. Now, when you read these verses, initially, I think you think of two main characters, right? You have Jesus, and you have the Pharisees. And then there's this interaction between the two. And yet, as I was reading this week, I felt like the Lord said, look again, and look specifically at the third character. The third character, who is that? It's the man who is suffering, the man who's standing there who is sick. And think about this man. Again, normally, Pharisees wouldn't even associate with someone like this because of his ailment. I mean, there is a good chance, church... That he is just a part of a trap. Does that make sense? That he is a pawn in a larger game. And yet, look at what happened. Here he is. He's standing there. He is in pain. He has swelling throughout his entire body. And when Jesus sees him, where others probably have kept their distance, where others even cast judgment upon this man. Because remember, in, in this time, uh, when there was uh, some somebody with this kind of ailment, people thought, well, what sin had he committed? Or what sin had his parents committed for him to be this way, to deserve this? And yet, instead, the Bible says, when Jesus saw him, he took hold of him. He embraced him. He Healed him, and he sent him on his way. Some of you might be feeling a little bit like that man these days. Like you're being used for somebody else's agenda, a pawn in a larger game. In fact, I think with all of the issues going on right now, you can really start feeling that way. That you are being used, and that nobody actually cares about how you are doing, or how you Are feeling. And yet, I want to encourage you today that even as corrupt and wicked people try to exploit you and take advantage of you, Jesus sees you. Amen? Do you believe that? He sees you, He knows you. Be encouraged. His desire is to embrace you and to heal you. To heal you. He moves past those in power. Right, he moves past those who call the shots. He moves past the influencers, and he goes straight to the outcast, straight to the outsider, to the forgotten, to the abandoned, those who have been used and abused. He comes in with his loving embrace, and he brings healing to your brokenness. Church, if that's you today, I just want to pray for you right now that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would receive his loving embrace, that you would receive the healing that comes Through Jesus' embrace. So I want to pray for you right now. Would you bow your heads? Lord Jesus, I pray right now, your healing over this entire body, over this church, for anyone who's feeling lost, for anyone who feels like they are being used, they are being abused, anyone who is finding themselves in places where people are treating them wrong, where they have been treated with disrespect uh, in, in words and actions that lacked any kind of honor. Lord, would you bring them honor right now as this man who is uh, quite possibly used uh, to set Jesus up, yet Jesus looked him in the eyes and he brought honor and value and respect and worth to this man as he embraced him and healed him. Would you do the same thing right now in the name of Jesus? Would you do it again? Would you do it again right now, whether they're in row one, two, three, or four, whether they're on Facebook or online at our website? Right now, Lord, would you bring a healing balm Just a a washing of your spirit that would bring significance and value once again that only you can bring. Bring healing to their minds. Bring healing to their broken hearts. (sighs) Like a wind. Would you bring what only you can bring and do what only you can do? In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right, so the man leaves. He leaves healed. But they're still eating, right? So let's see what happens. Verse 7. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, Jesus tells them a parable. Don't you love Jesus' parables? He said, verse 8, When someone invites you to a wedding feast, don't take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you, he's going to have to come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you're going to have to leave the, or you're going to have to go take the least important place. But when you're invited, you know what you should do? Take the lowest place. So that when your host comes, he'll say to you, friend, Move up to a better place. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves, listen, church, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You know, I'm not so sure that anyone right now is dominating uh, in this COVID season, right? Uh, really just hitting it out of the park and navigating this whole thing. It's messy. It's complicated. It's uncertain. There's highs, there's lows, and it's affecting us all in different ways. As a pastor, I get to see that, just how it's affecting each person. And again, in very different ways. I heard this the other day. I I like this. They said, it's the same storm, but we're all in different boats, right? The same storm, but we're all in different boats. But I I think Jesus' words have the opportunity here this morning to show us how to navigate the current storm. And I'd simply say this, to walk in humility. You might want to write that one down. Don't worry. If you write it down and everyone sees you writing down, it doesn't mean like you're the one that struggles with it. It means you're the one that wants to grow. So to walk in humility. Be humble. Be humble. Take the lowest place. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus gives this teaching, by the way. Think about where he's given this teaching. In the house of a Pharisee. Jesus has talked about the scribes and the Pharisees before. What does he say about them? He says that they love the place of honor at banquets, that they love the chief seats in the synagogues. Remember when Jesus talked about that? that he, he, he called them masters of self-promotion, right, of self-exaltation. And it reminds me a lot of currently what's happening on social media, uh, as uh, crazy as it is, but I, I just see that. People are tempted in our culture, to get caught up in self-promotion, self-exaltation. And I don't think there's anything wrong with getting your name out there. I, I'm all for that kind of thing. But there is a danger when any of us are making a mad dash for the seat of honor. Walk in humility. We read this just in our reading plan this week. You guys remember Isaiah 66, verse 2? This is the Lord speaking. He says, these are the ones... I look on with favor. Don't you want the Lord to look upon you with favor? He says, those who are, say it with me, humble and contrite contrite in spirit, those who tremble at my word. So good. So good. A few years ago, I preached a sermon on significance and how we're in this culture where everyone is chasing after significance. I talked about how important it is that we do not find our significance in what others think of us. So our significance doesn't come by how many followers you have on Instagram. Your significance doesn't come by how many people liked your cute picture that you put on Facebook. Right? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. That our significance, it would be found in Christ, where we would be content, fully satisfied in Christ, in Christ alone, and then from that place of satisfaction in Christ, we move forward. We trust in God's plans. We trust in God's purposes for our lives. And we give Jesus permission. Hey, Jesus, do what you want to do in my life. Have your way. We surrender. We surrender to Jesus. I've said this so many times. It is so easy to sing it, much harder to live it. But that we surrender to him. So LifeSpring, don't go for the power grab. LifeSpring, don't run for the seat of honor. We don't go for self-exaltation. We don't chase after the approval of man. No, instead, we live a humble life for the Lord. Humbly, we love God, we love others. And then we let him seat us wherever he wants us to be seated, all according to his plans, his purposes. If this is resonating with any of you at all, which I, I have a hunch it might be, you might just want to whisper this prayer that I'm about to pray under your mask. Pray it with me. Just Jesus, I approach you in humility. Jesus, I approach you with a contrite spirit. I surrender my life back to you. And I give you permission to seat me wherever you want me to be seated. I trust you. Have your way. Amen. I hope some of you prayed that prayer with me. I hope some of you are able to grab a hold of that. That really is a game changer. All right, verse 12. Jesus says to the host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you'll be repaid. Well, what's wrong with that? that's not great. <laughs> no, he says, no, when you give a banquet, who should you invite? Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Okay, so by now it's clear who has control of this dinner party, right? I mean, it's not the host. It's totally Jesus. Like, everyone's eyes are fixated on Jesus. Everyone's waiting to see what Jesus is going to say. He has captivated this room. They are here to hear him speak, and yet he turns now to the host, and he tells the host, hey, when you invite people over, when you hold the luncheon or you hold the dinner, kind of like what you're doing right now, please stop inviting people who can repay you. You know who you should invite instead? Invite the poor, invite the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. So invite the people in your community, or or invite the people in your town that cannot repay you. And if you do that, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the spirit, church, and the attitude of Christ that we should hopefully all be striving to emulate. It's the spirit and attitude that seeks to invest radically invest in those who cannot repay. That's what Christ did for us, isn't it, when he died on that cross? <laughs> he, he paid a price that we could not pay. Church, this, this attitude, this spirit, it should be one of the main staples of life at Lifespring, that we'd be known as a people who give, known as the people who bless without expecting anything in return. In fact, I think it should be a defining characteristic of each one of us individually as people, But also, hopefully, a a defining characteristic of us as a body of believers as a whole. And I want you to think about this. How is this type of selflessness being expressed in you personally in your day-to-day life? How are you serving? Right now, like not in the fall, not next year, 2021, but right now. How are you serving? How are you giving? How are you opening up your life to others? Again, without expecting anything in return. And then I'd say this, as a church, what are we doing? What services, what programs are we offering and not for ourselves? This is so important. Sometimes, I don't know if you've noticed this, if you've gone to church for, for very long, but sometimes church services, church programs, just think about the things that LifeSpring does during the week. How many of those things are just for us? Have you noticed how many programs and services are just for us, us for and no more? There. For us, we're just serving us. When Christ would call us to go out into our community, what what is the offering? What is the gift? What is the blessing that we are providing, not just for us, but for the community around us? Where are we serving? Where are we giving without expecting anything in return? Now, I I I know that's a bit of a challenge, and I want to encourage you. I'm an encourager. We're doing pretty good right? I'm proud of you guys. I'll just give you a couple of different projects that you have played a pivotal role in. Um, Again, these are projects that will never benefit us personally. They'll never get us the prime seat at the table. They will never get Pastor Dan on a podium at some conference, and yet I believe these are beautiful expressions of God's love to the greater community who, again, cannot repay us just give you a few examples. I had the privilege on Wednesday of walking around a construction site in Airway Heights. Anyone know where Airway Heights is? Fairchild uh, Base is out there. It's a pretty rough community, but we have a church plant over there, a four-square church plant who's trying to build a sanctuary. And Life spring. we were able to collect and give them uh, some money to help with that. How beautiful it was to walk around all the piping and all the dirt and piles and the big, uh, uh big yellow machine things, uh, tractors that were there, uh, and just see what God was doing. And again, church, you played a part in that. Life LifeSpring, we, we gave. I, uh, Wednesday, I had lunch with Pastor Wayne and Cindy. And, and just amazing uh, to see uh, your generosity in that project. I mean, we're talking, you have given thousands upon thousands of dollars to see a work, a new work done in Nine Mile Falls, uh, I was thinking about the three services that we would do a month over at the local retirement home. Three services a month. We've had to pause because of COVID. But during those services, no offering was taken. Right? We didn't pass the plate. No. We, we, we just served God and we served others without expecting anything in return. I had a phone conversation uh, on Saturday. I remember Jonathan Moore. Jonathan Moore, he is over in Pullman. Uh, He is doing a campus ministry over in Pullman. He and his wife are working on planting a church. This is so awesome. It gives me goosebumps in Salt Lake City, Utah. Praise the Lord. Don't you know they need Jesus? And he is uh, training even now to plant a church kind of uh, really closely located next to the University of Utah. Or I think about how you guys gave around $1,000 to Integrity Life for the food uh, program that they do, feeding local apartments and uh, feeding some of their church members. Or get this... The $3,700 you collectively gave to feed starving four-square pastors around the world. And even as I'm speaking right now, that crisis is still a crisis. As the economies of some of those countries have been ravished, these pastors are starving. And yet you said, no, not today, not on my watch. And you gave generously, you gave freely, not expecting anything in return. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Isn't that powerful? Don't you love it? And the world's just confused. Like, what? Why? How? And yet we, re- we, we give, we cheerfully give to those causes. Hey, Amen. I, I just love that. I, I, man, just, whew, gets me going. But in today's passage, I, I really want you to hear Jesus' words regarding the specific people you should invite to your banquet, if we can get those verses up there. Because he mentions specific people. He says the poor, the crippled the lame, and the blind. Poor, crippled, lame, blind. I think in many ways that list represents the outcasts of Jesus' society. So 2,000 years ago, these are the outcasts of his society. They're the forgotten. They're the abandoned. They're the people on the outside looking in. Definitely the ones who the religious elite, like the Pharisees, Uh, They had abandoned almost altogether. And yet Jesus says, invite them to the banquet. And I think we can do better, church. I I really do. I think we can do better. And and last week we started delivering food uh, on Mondays from the Puyallup Food Bank up to the city of Milton to help feed families. We're increasing those efforts you just heard during announcements by helping a food program on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I just know there's room for us as a church to grow in this area, and I don't think the timing of this passage is an accident in any means. A huge thank you, by the way, goes out to those who have already volunteered for the Tuesday and Thursday program. We've gotten several emails from you saying that you'd like to help with that, but I was thinking about this week. Wouldn't it be great if not just 10 people signed up, but like we had like 60, 70, 80 people saying, I'm ready to go. Here am I. Send me. Wouldn't that be Great our community was just like, whoa, like, we don't even, I don't know, like, we don't even know what to do with that kind of number. Wouldn't it be wonderful if that was the expression, that was the fullness of Christ in us, the hope of glory that got expressed to our community. Like, watch out, don't ask LifeSpring to do anything, because they bring like a hundred people with them. Wouldn't that be great? Or we just say, I want to serve. I want to open up my heart, the door of my heart of the people around me. I want to radically invite them into my life, even if it's inconvenient and a little uncomfortable. I want to radically invite them into my life without expecting anything in return. And if that's stirring in your heart as I'm speaking, whether you're on Facebook or whether you're here in the church, I just want to encourage you. We have opportunities for you to serve in that way. Reach out, call us or text us or send an email, fill out the connection card, and we will put you to work. All right, so Jesus takes this point, which is a great point, but now he's going to drive it home even further, and he gives this incredible parable. We've all heard this parable. We're familiar with this parable, right? It's the parable of the great banquet or the great feast. Now, my wife already read it, but uh, I want to read it again so I can walk through it a little bit with you. So verse 15. Well, actually, let's start at verse 16. Jesus replies, a certain man was preparing a great banquet. He invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said, well, I just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, man, I bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out, so you've got to excuse me. Still so another said, hey, man, I got married, so I'm not coming. Verse 21, the servant came back, reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house, he became angry. He ordered his servant, well, then go out quickly, quickly into the streets, quickly into the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant says, what you ordered has been done, but hey, there's still some room. Well, then the master tells the servant, then go. Go out to the roads. Go to the country lanes. Go and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. So, verse sixteen. That man, he's preparing a great banquet. I bet you it's going to be good. I bet it's going to be the feast of feasts. And he sends a servant, man, tell the invited guests, come on in, we're ready for you. But then the invited guests start making excuses for why they can't come. Just bought an oxen. Have you ever used that excuse, by the way, before? The oxen excuse. Very, very common. I just got married. Oh, that one maybe hits closer to home. Uh, The invited guests are tied down. They can't come. They can't come. You don't have to show your hands on this one, but anyone besides me ever have excuses for why you can't fully commit to the Lord? Think of some of the excuses you've used in your life. The percentage of people who are actually called into the mission field compared to those who go, they're not even on the same chart. It's drastically different. How many of us? have used excuses for why we won't do what the Lord is asking us to do. So the owner of the house, he orders his servant, well, then go. Go quickly into the streets. Go into the alleys and bring the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. That, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? The poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. You know, when I read, I want to share this. When I read that this week, I actually got kind of excited. It, it filled me with joy. I'll, I'll tell you why it filled me with joy. Because that little phrase of of the people that Jesus is here to reach, it reminded me that we serve a very, very good God who radically loves those who the world has overlooked and rejected. Isn't that good? Don't you love that? I mean, God could be anything, right? God is God. And yet we serve a good God. Can anyone else just be filled with joy that he's a good God? Anyone? That he cares for those that the world has overlooked? The world has rejected. Isn't that beautiful? The banquet room doors. They have opened wide to a group of people, by the way, who had faced closed doors their entire life. The religious leaders had shut the doors. The the rulers of nations, political rulers, had shut the doors. I'm sure neighbors, friends, even family members had shut the doors. And yet the master of the house says, my door is open Come on in. It fills my heart with joy as I think about how good our God really is. Amen and amen. Verse twenty-two, sir says, "What you've done has been ordered, or what you ordered has been done." But there's still room, so he says, "Go out into the roads, the country lanes, compel them to come in, that my house may be full." I want you to say that phrase with me, so that my house will be full. Say it one more time, so that my house will be full. So important. So that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. Now, there's more going on here than I have time to address this morning. But what I want us to understand today is that God's house will be full. In fact, if you're taking notes, you might want to write that one down. That is a promise. That is a guarantee. His house will be full. The eternal life that you and I get to experience in him, the everlasting kingdom in his presence, it's going to be full. And it's going to be full of people who have been rejected on this earth. Thank you, Jesus. It's going to be full of people who have had doors shut on them the entire lives. It's going to be full of people who have been ridiculed and scorned and mocked and shamed. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. But then I would ask the question to myself and to you, well, what about you? Are you going to be sitting at the banquet table? Are you going to be there? And if you might be so bold with your life, would you take a moment to consider your relationship with God? With what spirit or with what attitude are you approaching your relationship with God? Are you one of the invited guests who has already received the invitation? Maybe, you know, you attend church. Maybe you check off the Christian box on the survey. But when the Lord asks you to leave the things of this world behind, no. Right? You have the excuses for why you can't truly join him. that you? In the next passage, we'll we'll cover on another day, but Jesus is going to teach once again about how you must count the cost of being his disciple. You must count the cost. It's costly to follow Jesus. If you don't like that idea, maybe skip a week. We can come back in a couple weeks. It's costly. It, It costs you something. But again, is that you? And really, this is for everyone here, everyone watching Online, whether you call yourself a Christian or not, right? Words are words. They're meaningless, really, without what's going on on the inside. Whether you call yourself a Christian or not, I just want to encourage you. You have the opportunity right now, even as I am speaking, to consider the cost. You have the opportunity right now to be all in for Christ and to secure a seat at the table. Because Jesus is still calling people. Did you know that? Like, he's not waiting until the pandemic is over. He's not waiting until the test uh, numbers go down. Jesus is calling people right now, and he's going to keep calling, keep inviting until what? Until his house is full. And again, are you going to be in the house? Are you going to be in the house? I I think, and again, some people have just put a pause on life. It scares me to death. Some people have put a pause on their faith. And just like, well, I'll come back to the faith when all this is over. But this season matters. How you walk through this season matters. Are you going to be like the stubborn Pharisee? Or are you going to humble yourself, lay yourself low, and truly follow Christ? Or think of it this way. What do you want to be known for during this season? What do you want to be known for? Will you be known as someone who gave up everything for Christ, who gave and served out of love and compassion without expecting anything in return. Will you be known as someone with the attitude and the mindset of Jesus, who again came to serve, the low position, who identified with the least of these. Isn't he beautiful? Isn't he good? How good our God is. He came to serve, to be identified with the least of these. Someone who poured out the love of God, radically poured out, lavished the love of God on outsiders, on outcasts, on tax collectors, on prostitutes, on sinners with reckless abandon. He dropped everything to love God and to love people. But what about us? What will we be known for. What will we be known for, church? What will we be known for? What are you going to say at my funeral? What am I going to be known for? And to live this radical life where you give up everything for Christ, I think it comes down to this. And of course, this is a way too simplified answer, but it, I think it's an important part of it all. Who do you trust? Who do you trust? Where is your confidence? Who do you trust? And honestly, what do you really believe? Like, you can say you believe in Jesus or trust in Jesus all day long, but at the core depth of who you are, what do you truly, truly believe? Because Christ's followers, they believe that in Jesus' kingdom, the least become the greatest. Christ followers, they believe that the last, guess where they go? They will be first. People in the kingdom of God, they believe that those who lay themselves low, those who walk in humility, guess what? They will be exalted. As you lay down your life for Jesus, Christians believe that you will always receive more than you could ever give. That's what Christians believe. That's what followers of Christ believe, that you cannot outgive God. Because of Jesus, those who follow Jesus will always have a spot at the banquet table. They will be seated at the great banquet feast, dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. But how about you? What about you? What about you? So again, whether you're online or with us, in the house today regardless of how you came into this meeting into this service this is a precious moment it's a holy moment that if you humble yourself if you surrender your life if you lay low before the Lord say God I trust in you as messy as I am as imperfect as I am I trust in you I believe in you James says it this way Humble yourself and God will lift you up. Allow God to lift you up. God will exalt you. God will even seat you with Christ in heavenly places. Did you know that? You know, as we close today, as I invite the worship team to come back up, I've heard people ask this question. I think it's a good question. Where would Jesus be in the year 2020? It's a great question. I think passages like we covered today give us a glimpse into that answer. I think he'd be calling out hypocrisy, he'd be calling out any type of oppression, he'd be calling out those who had shut the door on the poor, the sick, or shut the door on anyone else who has been viewed as less than. And for those who feel rejected in this room, those of you who feel like maybe still you're on the outside looking in. I just want you to know he is still in the business of calling and inviting people into his house. He's still in the business of embracing hurting people, sick people, broken people, embracing them healing them and sending them out. He's still in that work. By the way, even on the Sabbath he's in the work of healing of restoring of reconciling his kingdom is still on the move. Do you believe that? I'm seeing it like never before. The power of prayer these days. Watch out. If you want things to stay the same, whatever you do, don't pray. Because prayer changes things. Lifespring, allow him. I would just say it this way. Allow him. If that's you today, allow him. And I know we've done this multiple times. I want to do it again. Just allow him right now to embrace you. Allow his embrace. I know we got walls. We got defenses. We got reasons why we, won't, we don't want the Lord to touch us. We're scared. We're f- f- full of fear. All those types of things. But just... Let the walls fall down and let the embrace of God just cover you, overwhelm you. Just let him say things over you like, I know you, son. I know you, daughter. I made you. I fashioned you. I formed you in your mother's womb. I got plans for you. I got purposes. Just allow him to speak those things. Let his language just speak over you right now, the things of identity and meaning and purpose. Let him speak over you right now. Let him heal you. Let him speak that healing word over your life right now. Just receive from the Lord. Receive. And if you haven't received the Lord, there might be a chance that there's a wall that's going on, either in your mind or your heart, that has just kept the Lord from really ministering. If you have that wall, say, Jesus, I need you to take down that wall. Come on. Come on. Just let Him do it. This could change your life. Allow Him to embrace you, allow Him to heal you. And then, church, from that place of healing, let's start acting like disciples. Mm-hmm. Let's start acting like disciples. And let's start embracing and healing others in the name of Jesus. Anyone know what I'm talking about? He has given you his power and his authority. He has given you his power and authority. That others might be healed in his name. Let's be that servant from the parable. Talk about another character that I didn't talk about—the servant that went back to his master. The master's like, "Well, now go invite them." He's like, "Okay, I'm going to go invite them." And he's like, "Okay, I invited them, but there's still more room." He goes, "Okay, I want you to invite them." Okay, I'm going to go invite them. Oh Jesus, they are coming too, but there's still more room. Okay, I want you to. Okay, wherever you—I'm going. Okay, there's still when—that's who we are, church. We're the servant. We're the servant. We're, we, we run around, and, and, and there's a joy to us, and there's a, a light in our step, and, and there's a song in our hearts, and we, we go around and we say, well, I just want to tell you about Jesus, because there's still room. His patience, it's not that He's slow, it's because He wants you to be saved. And so I'm here to invite you to tell you the good news about Jesus, and come on in, because the house, it is going to be full one day, but there's still room in the house. So you, come with me. Come with me. I want you to be safe. I want to hang out with you like forever. So Jesus is in the room, and He's so good. He's like the best guy ever like he's so good we've even written like a thousand songs about how good he is that's how good he is so come with me and worship the lord in the house of the lord forever hallelujah let's pray lord jesus hallelujah oh you're so good in that room that was tense. You can imagine the, the, t- the, the intensity of that room and where the, he's set up and, and they're just wondering what you're gonna do with that man who, who has the swelling and yet Jesus, you looked past all those rulers, you looked past all those people and you looked to that man who was suffering and hurting and you said... Be healed. You embraced, you loved, you healed, and you sent him on his way. Again, Lord Jesus, maybe we have to pray this four or five times today, but anyone who is broken today, who's feeling broken, whether it's in their hearts or in their minds or in their bodies, today, Lord, would you embrace them? Would you hug them tight? Would you hold them close to you, Jesus? And may they be healed in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, from that place of healing, would you give us the power of your Spirit? to be ambassadors for your son to be ministers of your good news, to truly go out into this world and share that there is a God who still is in the business of saving people from their sins. There is a God who is still in the business of taking dead things and bringing them back to life. Lord, would you just cast out any fear or anxiety or or issues or excuses that we have for why we haven't fully gotten into the game, Lord? Would those excuses begin to dissipate? And would you give us the power of your spirit to be effective witnesses of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And Lord, as we close this time today, and I I just pray this uh, believing that if there's anyone here in this room or anyone watching online and, and you have never truly submitted to Christ, don't wait another day that we got God on the line right now. He's here. He's with us. Don't wait another day. Don't wait another minute. Give your life to Jesus. Allow Him to forgive you of all your sins. Allow Him to make you new, born again, new creature, deposited with the Holy Spirit, a guarantee of eternal life with your maker. Would you just belief through your mask or in your living room just, just speak I believe in you Jesus. I believe in you Lord forgive me of my sins forgive me of all the ways I've missed the mark and fallen short but I receive that forgiveness some of you just got to grab it today and say I receive the forgiveness I receive the new life that is found in you Jesus make me new Make me whole. Make me whole. That I would do the good works that you've created in advance for me to do. That I could be a part of the healing team. That as I have been healed, I can go around in the power and authority of Jesus and see healing come to my town, to my state, to my country. True, radical, supernatural healing in the mighty name of Jesus. If you prayed that prayer this morning, church, your life has radically changed forever. The Lord wants to walk with you and lead you. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you for this incredible word today. We thank you that when you stepped into the lion's den there, you did not go in fear, but you went in full of the power of the Holy Spirit. You are a good God who knows how to bring life to dead things.